You recognize several of those people, I take it, right? Some of our treasured members here at St. Michael telling you, telling me, what an all-knowing God means for them. Well, obviously, we're kicking out and kicking up and moving into a eight-week sermon series called Knowing God. There's the lineup of the sermons, right, this weekend, of course, all-knowing. You can see some of the other attributes we'll be looking at for the next couple months, ending up on Labor Day weekend with our ever-presence God. Knowing, knowing God. This is our theme verse. It's right there on the front of your bulletin, right from Hosea 6, verse 3. Come, let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. And you see these transliterated Hebrew words, and you think yada, 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 right? Well, in Hebrew, you wouldn't quite pronounce a yada. It might be pronounced something like yada, yada. Critical word, critical word in the whole Bible, critical word for us to understand. When we see the word no, we think about our minds, what's going on in our brains, our, our cognitive associations. We think about facts and figures and, and mental acumen, right? But in Hebrew, they think more when they see the word no. It's not for a Hebrew. It's not just what I know in my mind. It's also what I experience in my heart. Huge difference, right? Uh, to know God only with my mind is, is to miss everything. To combine my knowledge of God with my heart, my emotions, my experience, my, my relational receptivity. Why, that's what it means biblically to know. So let us know, yada, with our heart and our head, right? Let us press on. This isn't passive. This isn't a spectator sport. This isn't just a big yawn. No, it is what? It is pursuing. It's passion. It's pressing on to know with my head, my mental abilities, and my heart, my feelings. Press on to know the Lord. That's what we're going to do the next couple months. There are two types of people who want to know the Lord. Two types. You probably fit into one of these categories. I do. No doubt about it. I would say there are people on balconies who want to know the Lord and people driving, walking, and biking who want to know the Lord. So the people on balconies, well, you get it. They're, they're <laughs> high above everyone else. They're disconnected. They're just onlookers. They want to know God, but only with their head, not their heart. Balcony people look down upon these other people, the people driving, walking, and biking, and they have all of these philosophical, theological, deep discussions on how best to drive and walk and bike. People on balconies just want to know God with their head, not their heart, not their emotions, not their feelings, not their relational capacity. Balcony people are all head, no heart. How do I know? I was a balcony person for 14 years, folks. I was a seminary professor, all head, no heart. I get that. 
and repent of it. Well, then there are people driving, walking, and biking. These aren't people who want to know God in the abstract. They're not having all these philosophical discussions and great theological debates. No, the the drivers, the walkers, the bikers, they're on the street. They got all kinds of problems caused by other drivers, bikers, and walkers. (laughs) Drivers, walkers, and bikers want to know God. Not just mentally, but with their heart. Not just cognitively, but with their feelings. This is a clarion call to all of us to get off the balcony and become a driver and a walker and... (laughs) A biker. Hey, bikers, I love to bike. You know that, right? To love God, trust God, know God with all my head and my heart. That's Hosea 6, verse 3. Come, let us know, yada. Let us press on to know the Lord. So here we are. (laughs) We want to know our God through these classical, biblical, powerful attributes. And... We want to take a look now at our all-knowing God. With my heart and with my head. How many of you know what year St. Michael Lutheran Church was founded? Just raise a hand. Anybody out there? So, let's see here. Oh, Oh, my gosh. Shout it out. Dylan. That's close. That's close. Okay. All right. Uh, anybody else here? Tammy Bruns knows. I saw your hand. 1953. That's good. Tammy's our executive director. If Tammy doesn't know, no one knows, right? Yeah. How many of you know how many home runs Babe Ruth hit? Anybody out there? Oh, Rick Bruns. 714, Mr. Rick Bruns, Mr. Sports Trivia, right? How many of you know where Ulysses S. Grant was born? What what state? Anybody know? Rick. Ohio, Ohio. Every other conversation I have with people in Fort Wayne, Ohio always somehow gets in the mix. You know where he's buried? What state? New New York. That guy should be on Jeopardy. That's really good. That's good. Yeah, Rick Hoffman, he knows a lot of stuff. Big Cincinnati Red fan. Yeah, way to go, Rick. Yeah. How many of you know the longest book in the Bible, word for word? Now, this, you may not want to raise your hand on this, okay? Yeah. You might say, like, Philemon. I'll say, Philemon? My gosh, that's one chapter. Okay. I'll give you a hint. It's in the Old Testament. (laughs) He's a prophet. He was a 7th century and 6th century prophet. He's a major prophet. Three dog nights sang about him. Anybody out there? Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah was a bullfrog. He was a good friend of mine. I never understood a word he said, but I helped him drink his wine, right? Jeremiah's the longest book in the Bible, word for word, word for word. Well, we can know a lot of stuff. That's my point, right? We can know about St. Michael and Babe Ruth, the Bambino, the Sultan of Swat, right? We can know a lot of stuff, but we can't know everything. 
Now, maybe you've been around someone who, who thinks they know everything, but folks, I got news for you. They're pulling your leg. God, on the other hand, does know everything. This is a stunning claim in Hebrews 4.12. No creature is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Uh, The word we have for that is omniscient, right? Omniscient. God knows everything. God doesn't get up in the morning and say, oh, I, I didn't see that coming. God knows everything. Everything is uncovered and exposed. Let's take a look at that. God knows all about creation. Why is that? He's the creator. If you've ever made something, you know what you make. Psalm 50 says, I know all the birds. Is God speaking, right? All the birds. You know how many species of birds there are? About 10,000. 10,000. You know how many birds there are on the planet? Over 300 billion birds. And the Bible quotes God as saying, I know them all. And you say, that's rhetoric, that's rhetoric. We're all familiar with rhetoric, political rhetoric, right? Yeah, sports rhetoric. We all use rhetoric. We all go to the top. We're all hyperbolic. This must be hyperbolic. God can't possibly know 300 billion birds. It's not rhetoric. It's reality. He knows all about creation. Psalm 147, God determines the number of stars and calls them all by name. You know how many stars are in our Milky Way galaxy? Billions and billions. You know how big the Milky Way galaxy is? You probably know this. 104,000 light years from beginning to end. What's a light year? 186,000 miles a second. So going 186,000 miles a second, which would probably land you in prison, by the way, it would take you 104,000 years to travel from one end of the Milky Way to the other. And that's not the biggest known galaxy in our universe. The biggest galaxy known in our universe is 522 thousand light years from one end to another, which means there are billions and trillions and zillions of stars. And the Bible says what? God calls them all by name, not some, not most, all. Rhetoric, you're saying, oh, it's just rhetoric. No, it's not. It's reality. God knows all about creation. God knows all about history too, right? This is what he says in Isaiah. I declare the end from the beginning. Is that it? God knows the end. He knows the beginning. He knows the ancient times. That's, that's the beginning, right? And, and then he knows things not yet done. That's the end. God knows all about history. It's as though you are in Pasadena, California for the Rose Bowl Parade, and you're up in one of those Goodyear blimps, And you can see the beginning of the parade, the middle of the parade, the end of the parade. That's how God sees history. All of our tomorrows, he knows today. God knows what was and is and will be. 
So, so put these two first points together. God knows all about creation. God knows all about history, which implies God knows all about me. What does he know about me? He knows all about my failures. Remember Charlie Rich, 1973? No one knows what goes on behind what? Closed doors. Charlie Rich was wrong. God knows. God knows all about my failures. David says in Psalm 69, God, you know, you know, my folly, all the stupid, idiotic, foolish stuff I've said and done and thought, God knows it all. The wrongs I've done are not hidden from you. But we live, (laughs) we live as though we can hide things from God. I mean, you do this, so do I. God can't know what's going on behind closed doors. We're just like Adam in Genesis chapter 3. What did he do? He took it like a man. He blamed his wife, right? Then what did he do? (laughs) He tried to hide from God with fig leaves. How smart is that? What about Jonah? Jonah wanted to hide from God. God said, go to to Nineveh and preach, modern-day Mosul, Iraq. Uh, Jonah said, no way, Jose. That's a loose translation of the Hebrew, all right? And so then Jonah goes to what? He tries to get on a ship going to Tarshish. I can hide from God. Oh, how did that turn out? They threw him overboard like a hot potato, A fish swallows him, and he's vomited. Yes, vomited. That's Jonah 2, verse 10. Vomited on dry land. See, if God knows all about my failures, there's nothing that's off the record. You ever think, well, this is kind of off the record. No, it's not. So I get up late at night, and I have a refrigerator raid, and I get out my Captain Crunch cereal, and I'm eating my Captain Crunch cereal, and I cackle to no one in particular. <laughs> no one will ever know. <laughs> God knows. By the way, it's folly to eat Captain Crunch cereal at 2 a.m. because you won't go back to sleep, all right? <laughs> you ever think, what if... My boss finds out. What if my, here are acolytes, what if my parents find out? What if my wife finds out? What if the IRS finds out? I got bad news for you. You've already been found out. So have I. God knows what goes on behind closed doors. He knows all about my failures. God knows all about my frustrations, too. Anybody raising teenagers? No, just kidding. All right, all right. Life can be frustrating, whether you're with toddlers or teenagers or your senior citizen. I mean, we all have frustrations. We all get in messes. We say, God, don't you know? And he says, yes, I know. Psalm 31, you've seen my afflictions, you've known. Now, now you're learning a little bit Hebrew today, right? Well, what's the Hebrew word behind this English word known? It's yada. This is great news. God doesn't know the distress of my soul just in his head. It's not a mental cognitive thing with God only. It's also his heart. 
God knows the distress of my soul. He knows all about my frustrations, my failures. God knows all about my future. One of the most remarkable verses in the whole Bible. Uh, David's talking about a book. In your book, it's God's book, were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. When I'm visiting with a new mom and dad, they have little Junior there. I love to use this verse because I remind them that God knows everything about that child's future. Uh, when they'll get off training wheels on their bike, who their first grade teacher is going to be, their favorite baseball team. God knows all about that. And, and then the parents, they look at me and they say, well, where's that book? I want to read that book. <laughs> God's got the book. We don't have the book. But we know the author of the book. And that's enough. Growing up in Denver, Colorado, we would go up in the mountains, and there are all these hairpin turns, right, going up and down mountains. Inevitably, we would get behind a slow driver, and the license plate inevitably was Ohio. <laughs> I told you Ohio always pops up, Rick Hoffman, all right? Now, Buckeye people are fine, but they don't know how to do 80 on these <laughs> hairpin terms. So my dad would get a little nervous, and he'd grind his teeth, and he'd say a few things I can't say right now. But I would think, oh, God, you could rescue us if we had a helicopter, and that helicopter could, could somehow give us radio signals and tell us if, if there are three or four Ohio cars in front of us. Can we can pass one? We just can't do three or four. Wouldn't that be great? If we knew what was ahead, we would have such joy. Well, God knows what's ahead. He knows all about my future. The book's been written. I don't know what's in the book. I wish I knew in the book. But we know the author of the book. And that's enough. God not only knows all about my frustrations and <laughs> my failures, my future, He knows all about my fears. My fears. This is Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Your Father knows what you need before you ask it. If you're anything like me when you're praying, it's like you have all these cards kind of close to your chest, and you pray and you say, okay, God, here are my cards. He knows what you need before you ask him. Is that amazing? Your fears, oh my. <laughs> you have fears, I have fears, all God children got fears, right? Fear of death, fear of life, fear of depression, fear of the oncoming winter, <laughs> fear of cancer, fear of loneliness. When I don't think God knows all about my fears, I start acting as though I'm God. I take the bull by the horns. I'll pull myself up by my own bootstrap. And that works well every single time. 
not. Finally, God knows all about my faithfulness. This is so important. God knows all about the little nice things we do, the the words of encouragement. Right? When when we try and build up a child, uh, when we have the opportunity to stick it to someone and we don't, we speak mercy and forgiveness. God knows all about our faithfulness. It's Jesus again, Sermon on the Mount. When you give to the needy, and who are the needy people? (laughs) I got news for you. Everyone's needy. Everyone needs love. Everyone needs a word of compassion, kindness. Everyone needs encouragement. So we don't let our left hand know what our right hand's doing. Our giving is in secret. Sometimes no one knows what we're doing. But God knows. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. God knows all about my faithfulness, the, the little things. God knows, and he applauds, and he delights, and he loves. So which of these five areas are you living as though God is not? Failures? Frustrations? Future? Fears? Faithfulness? This uh, picture of our oldest daughter, Abby and Adam, with Meryl Rose. This was their Christmas picture. They were vacationing in San Diego, so that's the Pacific Ocean behind them. And why I bring this picture to your attention would be my daughter's jeans. (laughs) Abby has always had something about scissors. Now, she didn't do these herself, right? She paid, you know, $3,000 for these jeans. They were pre-cut, right? (laughs) But but this doesn't surprise me because Abby has always been fascinated with scissors. When she was three years old, she had her scissors out again, and she was cutting her hair again, and she looked like a punk rock star again. So I lifted her up on a chair, said, Abby, was that a good thing? No. What does daddy do when you get scissors and cut your hair? Daddy spanks. What should daddy do now? <laughs> Love. <laughs> Love. When we come into the presence of this God we're talking about, who knows not just the birds and the stars, the stars by name, who knows all about my failures and fears and frustrations and future and faithfulness, this God who knows all about me, what do we need? What can we plead? What do we want him to do? (laughs) Love. Love. Uh, Too good to be true, right? Wrong. Wrong entirely. Peter is preaching in the second chapter of Acts. This is what he says. Acts 2, 
23. Luke records it's the day of Pentecost, one of the most stunning statements in the Bible. Peter says he's preaching to people who crucified Jesus. He said, God handed Jesus over to you, people in Jerusalem, by his set will and foreknowledge. Get that? By his set will and foreknowledge, the Father gave up his Son. So what's the greatest thing that God has ever known? Not the birds and the stars or even us. The greatest thing God has ever known before the creation of the world, the set will and foreknowledge of God, Acts 2.23, is that he would deliver up his Son to be spiked on wood and hang on a cross like a scarecrow, bleeding and dying. Because God would rather foreknow and predestine that than live without you. Jesus, the crucified and risen one, he knows you and still loves you. He knows you and still forgives you. He knows you and still cherishes you. This is a God. (laughs) This is a God worth knowing all our days. Hosea, one more time. Come. What a great invitation. Come. Let us get off. With our head. Lutherans are we're so good with our heads, aren't we? We got the head stuff all figured out. But it's also with my heart. Come let us know, yada, experientially, cognitively, emotionally, mentally. <laughs> let us press on to know the Lord. And when we know the Lord, We worship him and we adore him. So let's do exactly that as we stand for our next hymn.